Welcome to State Road 49, an audio program that shares extraordinary stories from everyday people. My name is Aaron Freinberger. Thank you for coming back. We're always looking for new and interesting stories to bring you. This one is of Sherry Ullman, a registered nurse, and her diagnosis of an aggressive type of cancer. Kind of an interesting, uh, I think, way to start is in October of 2010, um, I went to my employer at the time and asked for three days off and um, said that uh, I needed to go take care of a few things at the doctor and I'll be back on Monday. He said, sure, no problem. What led up to that was about six months before that, not feeling well, um, hands tingling, um, unable to use uh, my hands in a productive way day to day, shortness of breath, and just lethargic, and beginning not to look healthy. So um, my coworkers saw some of that. Um, I had some blood tests done. All these were symptoms and precursors to the diagnosis. And I, my three days off turned into 19 months. Did you ever imagine that's what it was? No, no. Um, there was different times when I, th I knew I didn't feel well, but I was going to the doctor, as we would. I was having blood tests done. I was um, being told, oh, come back and see me in a couple weeks. And, um, oh, okay, your hands are hurting, we'll do a test. Oh, you have carpal tunnel syndrome, let's have that. And I fully felt if I could get rid of the pain in my hands, I would feel better. But as a nurse, I knew that didn't relate to the shortness of breath. So um, I continued to see my doctor have lab work done. And then I thought, well, I wonder if it's like breast cancer. So I had <clears throat> no symptoms for breast cancer, but I did schedule for a mammogram. My husband and my sister um, at the time are like, you just need to go to the doctor, not worry about this mammogram. And I said, well, no, that was, I had the plan in my head, um, as many of us do, um, and said, no, I, I really need to do that. And I went for the mammogram, and they said, well, we need to see you tomorrow, have an ultrasound. And so I was like, hmm, maybe I do have breast cancer. I wasn't scared because several things is that as a, um, I've been a believer since the age of eight, nine years old, I accept Jesus Christ as my savior. 
And I've always known throughout my life that I had support systems, I had a place to go, and um, there was always a solution to my concerns. So I always had a positive mindset like, oh, okay, I'll get this taken care of and, and life will go on. And I went back the next day for the ultrasound and um, they found three lesions in one breast and two lesions in another. And my brain's like, oh, okay, I have breast cancer. I know what they'll do and we'll move through this. And, but the issue at that time was I was so weak and lethargic and they felt it was progressed that I needed to be seen immediately. So I went from a mammogram to the ER, which is unusual. That's not usually the course of being admitted to an ER. And I went to the ER and the doctor said, she's in kidney failure. And my sister said to me, Sherry, are you not been going to the bathroom? And I'm like, well, I think so. Um, but see, as you start feeling bad, you don't always focus on all those symptoms or your daily normal routine. Um, and he said my calcium level was high and he was surprised I was even alert and talking. They put me from ER to ICU. So um, I went from a mammogram to ER to ICU. So how long of a time span is this from the mammogram to? Like two hours. I mean, that was happened, boom, boom, boom. They brought a physician in who was an oncologist and said, we believe she has um, breast cancer. And they went over the case with him. And he said to my husband and I, I don't think she has breast cancer. There's too many of all these symptoms um, going on. and the different lab work and different things he was looking at. He says, I believe she has multiple myeloma. Multiple myeloma is from your uh, bone marrow because red blood cells come from your bone marrow. It's a blood cancer. You have to also just take you back a minute. At this point in time, what happened, when all this was going on, my sister, my husband sent out the prayer request on the prayer chain to the church, to family members, to friends. It, it just went crazy across the United States. The next day, which was on a Saturday, this all started on a Thursday, um, I was in an ambulance on my way to Northwestern. And I get to Northwestern, meet the physician, the oncology, the multi-myeloma team, and it just went from there. Through all their testing and the scans that they did, uh, diagnosed me with lambda light chain multi-myeloma, which is a aggressive form. They did biopsies during this time to, to determine that over the next several days. And what that means is that the multi-myeloma has left the bone marrow and went into my soft tissue. And the soft tissue and the lumps that they found, whether it was in the breast or you could feel lumps on my body, was the multi-myeloma that had left the bone marrow. So you could actually feel them. I was so sick that my focus, sick in the way that it was just because I was, this had progressed so far, my focus was um, minute by minute or hour by hour. To get to that diagnosis, they did um, a bone marrow biopsy, and which is quite painful. 
and um, we had a process through every biopsy, through every procedure. My support team was there, whether it was my dad, my husband, my mom, my sister, and they had the 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 music. Christian music in my ear, they read scripture, and then they said to the doctor, okay, now you can go. <laughs> and the physician would do, would do whatever procedure. And at one point during this, my dad, I had said to my dad, I, I don't know how many more of these biopsies or procedures, it wears on you, and when you can hardly move, my belly began to get bigger and bigger um, from fluid buildup. And at this point in time, I could hardly walk. They couldn't figure out why I was going downhill at the same time they were starting a 13-day course of three different chemos, because that was the first line of defense for uh, this aggressive form of multiple myeloma. The closest you get to a cure for multiple myeloma is a stem cell transplant. So they're explaining all this. I couldn't take it all in at once. My family would explain it to me. Somebody was always there with me. And so then they'd say, okay, they'd write it on the board. Anything to help me begin to say, here's where you're at, here's the process, here's what's happening. And Is this because you were becoming like delirious? No, I wasn't delirious. I was just, it was so painful. I was just trying to stay alive. I guess, or staying, I, I couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't make those decisions. And I needed help processing all that because my body was just focused on, okay, what are they doing next? I couldn't worry what was happening in three or five hours. That's how, that's how sick I was. What we did to help get through that was everybody would take turns, they would never leave me alone, would read scripture then they would be like, okay, I said, okay, I'm getting ready to go have this done. I need to have something positive in my head, not a whiny crybaby. This is, we're, we're getting through this. They hit it fast and hard. That was the only way they could get me to, that was the only way uh, they believe they could get you to a, a survival point. So within that first week, um, this was all that was happening. Cat scans, um, MRIs, biopsies. And so they took me, were getting ready to take me down for one biopsy. And at that point, my dad was with me and I said, I don't know that I can do this again. Because it's, you just, any movement was painful. And he says, okay, kid, you're going to do this. You're going to get through it. Here's your scripture verse. I can't remember it, dad. So he gave me those letters. And I said, okay, I'll remember it by those letters and I'm going to my happy place. Through every procedure, I just went to my happy place, which was crawling into the hands of God. And I would crawl up and I would visualize it and I would crawl into the hands of Jesus and I would lay there and I'd give it to him all. And my dad said, so basically kid, you're surrendered at all. I said, yep, that's what I do, I surrender all. So he said, so we sang, we sang quietly between him and I as they're, getting me ready to move to the gurney to take me out of there. And we sang that song, I Surrender All. Because at that point, that's all I had. I could hardly move my arms, my legs. Other systems I had to have help with, whether it was urinating, eating wasn't happening, IV poles everywhere. I just gave, I just said, I'm yours, Lord. Whether you take me, whether you leave me here on earth. I'm yours, 
use me how you can use me. And I wasn't upset, I wasn't scared, I was at peace because crawling in that hand of Jesus, that's where it was. Our mind and our conversation and our thoughts was on living. We didn't talk about dying. We didn't focus on the disease. My mind and my thoughts were on life. I woke up one day, and I believe my dad was there that day, and I said to him, Dad, I'm in a battle. Satan wants me dead, and he's trying to kill me. And he said, tell me more. And I said, Dad, when I go to sleep at night, to get to sleep, the pain and the misery of all the chemo, I just would pray. And I would ask, Lord, that my, my thoughts and my dreams would be in, in a healthy state, be a positive state, or be about him. And he, I would have conversations with Jesus in the middle of the night. I would hear him talk to me and say things to me. I would hear a swoosh of a wind, and it would start from the left and go to the right, and it would whoosh, I would know he was there. And I would say, I hear you, Lord, I know you're there. And then he would say in a gentle way, I love you, I care for you, I'm here for you. Nothing big, doo 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 doo, no trumpets, no big lights, no big sounds. It was very simple but comforting. And I would cry and be like, I'm your child. I'm here. I've served you all my life. If you choose to heal me, I accept it. I'll give you all the praise. If it's my time, we'll work through all that. And I was explaining that to my dad, and we talked about that, and he says, I'm gonna anoint this hospital room with oil, and my parents did that. And they went around the hospital room and they said, Lord, this is your place. Your child's here, she needs you, this family needs you, because as much as I was battling my disease, I had husbands and kids, siblings and parents and aunts and uncles who were also in a devastated kind of state. What we knew would happen at the end of that 13 days of chemo, that takes your system down to nothing. So you have not a lot to fight with. And so I um, was really bloated and I had trouble breathing. And so I was supposed to be ready for discharge, but they're like, what's going on here? So I had to communicate by knocking on bed rails because at this point now, I couldn't talk. I was having trouble breathing. My family was like, this is not right. We should be in another place by now. And so this point now, the 13 days of chemo is over. And they were having trouble keeping my um, respirations at the point they wanted to. So they said, Sherry, we'd like to put you on a vent. My white count was like 0 0.001, it was very low. You had nothing to fight with. We now know you have a C. diff infection. That's the last I knew till I woke up eight days later. C. diff infection typically found in the bowels or in feces. We all have some, you want some but you don't want it to the level of where it 
kills your system. So it's like having good bacteria in your mm-hmm. gut. Mm-hmm. And then, so for this, it just kind of went rampant? Right. That's correct. Pumps and tubes everywhere, things coming out of my stomach, out of my nose. You're waking up like, where am I? I knew my husband was talking to me, and they had me tied down. Heard him talking uh, to someone in the room about watching a football game, and I'm like, hello, I'm here, and your brain's working. You're, I'm like, he's going to watch a football game? I'm trying to get him to get me untied. He doesn't know I'm thinking all of this. Uh, I need to get untied. I need to get these tubes out of me. So I'm trying to talk to him, even though there's tubes down my throat. And somehow I was able to communicate to him to get me a piece of paper and a pencil. And I was going to write this down. So I wrote. And he's like, I don't understand. And I'm pointing to the paper because there's words on the paper. I don't understand why he didn't read it. Fast forward a couple months when he said, Sherry, I got to uh, show you the paper that you wrote. It was nothing but scribbly lines. But I'm telling you, I saw words on that paper. Anyway, so was I a little delirious then? Probably so. After they put me on the vent and they expected my body to rest, the organs to respond, um, they knew because of all the chemo, I had not much of any immune system to fight with because they had to kill that to save me. As my uh, oncologist said, he goes, I basically had to, to kill you to save you. And so they did not see the response they wanted to see. There was organs beginning to fail, such as the kidneys. The medical team knew the state I was in. They didn't see much hope. And so they gave a time frame that, you know, we're going to do these things, we need to watch for a response, but the family needs to be prepared for a decision. They didn't get the response they needed. so. My husband had had spent the night, he had just gone home, taken a shower, ready to go teach. My sister was with me and they said, Sherry is not responding well. The medical director came in and said that we need to make a decision and we need to go ahead, probably due to her, her diagnosis, the state she's in, and we needed to let her go. She would probably pass within the next 24, 48 hours. My sister said, no, that's not an option for us at this time. And my, she, my husband, Paul, she called and he said, you're exactly right. So they said, okay, we'll bring the medical director in to talk to you. So my medical director met with my sister. My sister said, well, I need you to do everything you can do for her because I need her. I don't want to live without her and we're not giving permission for anything else. I've just got off the phone with her husband and we need to know what else we can do for her. They did talk to the medical team that was overseeing my care and they said, well, we do know a colon surgeon, we'll have her come take a look and see if she can figure out uh, what's going on with Sherry. She did agree to come see me and they did a scope of the rectal colon area and they said that that area was infected. That was probably causing the issue and that we need to get her into surgery immediately. My family was on their way back up to the hospital and basically they were told it was 50-50. That's all they could do.
not a lover of birds, so this would be nothing I would ever think of, of, of anything I would want to do. But it's interesting how the Lord uses all those different experiences. And I was on the left wing of an eagle. And it was beautiful. It was awesome. It was green lushness. And he, the bird, this eagle that I was on the left wing of, we actually flew down and up the mountain purples, blue. It was absolutely gorgeous. And my family said to me, you don't like birds, were you scared? And I'm like, no, it wasn't like that at all. You wanted it to continue. And it was peaceful and was happy. And there was, it was exactly some of the things you hear about. I don't even have the words or the descriptions in the English language to describe the awesome beautifulness of what I was experiencing. And the wind in my face and the warmth of the sun was like welcoming. And I wanted it to continue. I was on that left wing of the eagle, like on your belly with your arms out, not on the back of it, I was on that wing. And that was a, that was a real vivid thing because part of it, it was like, was just so awesome, you didn't want it to end. Do you believe you went to heaven? I believe I was on my way. I, I believe it was a glimpse of heaven or en route to heaven, however we want to think about what that would be like. We know from scripture, it talks about the beauty and the awesomeness. It was the mountains, the valleys, and the, the vibrant colors. I saw some of that. So they go in and they had to remove my colon, my large intestine. It, it was all, the infection, uh, C. diff infection was all encapsulated within those uh, systems. And when they lifted that up, it fell apart all in her hand. Um, it was totally gone. So the plan of treatment after that was outpatient chemo, once or twice a week until the stem cell, because the closest you get to a cure for multimyeloma is stem cell transplant. Both my sisters were tested for a match. And another awesome miracle in that is that both my sisters were perfect donor matches. They needed me to be at the most stable point um, because to do a stem cell transplant is a whole nother uh, taking your system down totally all the way again. They kept you on the chemo until your stem cells were ready. So because of my frailty, they harvested my own stem cells and they gave me that first. They give you a massive dose of chemo, take your system all the way down again, wipe out your immune system again. That was miserable. And I was on a morphine pump for several days because you get sores all in your mouth. You feel like if you've ever had the f severe flu, like have that triple where you can't move and get out of bed, that kind of thing. During that time, they also harvested my sister's stem cells. That's really where the prayer warriors and the mind game is when you have to go back in and they take your system up and down and you know you're having to go through that, was keeping your head in the game. Knowing who you serve, knowing who your master is, knowing what the mission is, and that's what my, my team 
um, Team Sherry, they would call themselves, um, would say to me, and that was the positiveness. I thought it would be about six months before I got my sister's stem cells, but we did so well that I got her stem cells two months later. We live in the here and now. I'm healed, I'm in remission. Um, do I still go to the doctor? Yes, because he gives us a brain. He gives us intuition. Um, I still have lab tests. I still get my maintenance of chemo. Are you still in a battle? I think we all are. But it's what we do with the knowledge we have, with the talents that we've been given, with what we believe we've been given is here is your story. And we all have stories to tell. One interesting story about God's hand in all this is when I was visiting my parents, um, visiting them in Arizona, a friend of theirs is a pastor of a church in, in Phoenix area. And they said, oh, Sherry, we want you to talk to the congregation, tell them a little bit of your story. And they, they had asked people to come that wanted to be prayed for healing and different things. And my mom and dad had told me about, there's a Korean population that attends this church and that there's a Korean ladies who meet and they pray every uh, morning and they have family still in Korea and they meet. And so they had told me during the whole process between being in the hospital and during the stem cell transplant that I was on the Korean ladies uh, morning prayer list. And I was thankful for that. But what was interesting was I went to that church that Wednesday night and gave a little bit of the story, told them about it. And afterwards, a Korean lady came up to me. My mom said, I want you to meet Sunny, one of the Korean ladies that's been praying for you. And she grabbed hold of me and she cried and she cried and she cried. And her and I just embraced for a while. And then she says, I've got to tell you. She says, I know you are a miracle. And I'm like, okay. She says, because. When you were in the hospital, I call my family in Korea. We have your name on our walls. And when your mom would call and say, Sherry's going through this, we would go touch Sherry's name on the wall and we would pray for you. And she said, and during one of those prayers, I saw you speaking at this church, sitting on that chair, telling your story. And this was when I was in the hospital the first time going through all of that. And that's how the Lord already had a plan for what was happening then. That's why we have to stand fast, not give up, claim that word, and anoint people, believe what that scripture says about healing. Believe what it says about trusting in Him, loving Him, Him loving you, Him caring for you no matter who you are and what state you're in. Once again, that was Sherry Oman, who we would like to thank for sharing her story. And we'd like to thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the program to learn more. I'm Aaron Freinberger, and this is State Road 49. by Aaron.
Aaron Freienberger, Matt Willingham, and Garrett Schultz. It is executive produced by the Heartland Christian Center. Visit their website at hcc3d.com. That is hcc3d.com. This episode was recorded, edited, and mixed by Garrett Schultz. Music by Thomas Kilobas. For more information about the program, visit us at facebook.com slash state road 49. This program was produced in Valparaiso, Indiana.